What should be our concern from one day to the next? What would be a biblical definition of prophecy? And how should our scientific discoveries be humbling us? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ, who was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Visit our website, www.utt.com. And once again, it's Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Did you see we're getting like a some sort of polar cold front or something like that coming down from Canada. So the weather this weekend all over the U.S. is going to be colder. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. But uh, I feel that. <laughs> it was, it it was is feeling, colder. I, our joints were kind of aching. Yes. Was, was yeah. that yours on yeah. Friday? Thursday and Friday? Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it gets my back. Well, that I heard that creak right yeah, there. Creak, yeah. creak. That's my chair. <laughs> well, speaking of. I'm not that old. <laughs> Speaking of you know, funny when you get noises, up and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the old people. You do sounds. that, I do. But you've been doing that for a lot of our marriage. I have. <laughs> I have a very bad back. I think, I think that's just because I keep you up so long. It could be. <laughs> and then when it's time for you to go to bed, and it could be just oh, groaning when you got to get up. <laughs> anyway, speaking of funny noises that our microphones pick up, I wasn't planning on starting with this. Okay. But remember last week? Yes, I do. Yeah, you know exactly where yep, I'm going. Okay, I do. I knew it before you even said last week. <laughs> As we were closing <laughs> oh, it was so creepy. our podcast episode, there was a sound that like our microphone. Like a baby. Yeah, like, like a like child. a screaming child. A child screaming. Now, you would not have heard it. You, the listener, did not hear it because the music bed was playing over it. Mm-hmm. But what happened there at the end of the episode is we quick hit stop. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, what was that? And we're listening and we're and, waiting for a child to come bursting in the room. Yeah, there was this there was this we're, scream. We we're just waiting. But our our kids weren't here. See, maybe I have to add that into the story. Right. So you want, but we were still under the, you know, like habits die hard. Yeah. So we're like, OK, so that wasn't a child. Right. Check that off the list. Our children were with Becky's parents, so yeah. they weren't in the house. But we heard this scream that was like a child crying. Mm hmm. And it was like, what was that? Yeah. It, so it was haunting. I walked around the house. Yeah. For, I, I walked behind him, he, making yes. sure he checked every room first before I went to bed. <laughs> to not make my wife panic, I didn't grab my gun. But I, saw I wanted you look to. For it. I did. <laughs> I, lo- I, I looked, saw you look at it. I did. <laughs> I looked in the direction of where it was. But I, was <laughs> I don't want to freak Becky out. It yep. might it might just be fine because we know there's not anybody in the house. So right. whatever that was. Well, we didn't know that. We didn't but, know it. And yeah. we left the door unlocked, too. So yeah, that was well, a then little, we found out. Yep. That was a little unnerving. I tried it. When we come downstairs to record the podcast, the house is already locked up. Yep. There's not For any the chance. Of, yeah, that's yes. right. We're, we're locked down. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we heard this scream. I'm going to play for you the audio from the end of the oh, podcast. You got it. Yes, I do. I okay. still have it. So you're going to hear it. And then I'm going to tell you what it was. Okay. Okay, because I did find out what this what this sound was. Here we go. This is the creepy noise. You might oh, have so creepy. You might have to crank up the volume a little bit so you can hear what it sounded like at the end of the broadcast last week. Okay, here we go. Thank you for sustaining us in the midst of this. Let us never take our eyes off of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Was that my stomach? Man, that was way more faint than I remember that being. It well, was. It, it was, was really loud. It in was our way ears. in the background, but yeah, it was. It was super creepy in our ears. Hang on, I can isolate the sound. Okay. Okay, I'm going to play it again. I'm going to amplify now, it out. Hang on a second. All right. For the record, my stomach is that loud sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you you could hear the sound when we were praying, and then at the and then right after she said, "Was that my stomach?" Then you heard it again. Right. And it's it's really. Haunting. It's kind of a creepy sound. So here, I'm going to play it again. Right. Hang on. Be real quiet. I'm, I'm amplifying it out now. Okay. Here, here it is. Okay. Did you hear it that time? Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds so different. It like, does sound different on the recording. It does because it sounded like somebody was screaming at first. Yeah. It, it sounded like a child yeah. getting, getting beat or something. Yeah. It was really scary. And then I thought about all the crows that live in our neighborhood, but I'm like, crows are only active during the day. Yeah, around here anyway. I don't they don't, know they don't quite sound like that either. No. But here's uh, here's what kind that sounds screaming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a caw. I yeah. think I think a crow's caw is pretty evident. Yeah, but it's no. I mean, this was this was more like a scream. Right. Right. Okay. So here's what it was. Here's the animal. Okay. Hang on, let me hit play on this video here. Okay. That's it. How <laughs> creepy is that, okay? Can you, can you tell what that is? Uh, yeah, I can't because I can see the you picture. Can, you can see the video. Okay, I'll give everybody else a hint. What does the fox say? Oh, dear. <laughs> Apparently the fox screams. Uh, the... the, the Fox screams like a child in your neighborhood getting beat. That's, yes. That's that's a fox. That's a red fox. That is crazy. Or swift fox would sound that way, too. Mm. Yep. There you go. There's your fox. <laughs> so that's what we heard. Yep. There was a fox in our backyard, and he was screaming like that. Oh, my goodness. And giving us so the willies loud. at the <laughs> end of the broadcast last so week. So loud. <laughs> It took me a little bit because this actually happened before. Yes. There was another night that that happened a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And then it was somewhere in there. I I figured out what it was, what the sound was, but then just forgot. We we <laughs> had we had a, a fox family somewhere in our backyard of neighbors, you know, in the neighborhood backyard. No, I know where they are. Um. Oh, yeah? Yes. Right across the street from us is a line of houses. Mm -hmm. And right behind that house is the largest graveyard in town. This is true. And that's where the foxes are making their burrows. Mm. Because you have that, that slope before you go into the okay. graveyard. Uh -huh. So that whole sloped area is where they'll dig into the side of the hill. And that's where the fox burrows will be. Okay. Everybody has seen foxes coming in and out of those graveyards. Yeah. So that's that's where they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just sound really, really creepy. They, they may be do. cute, yep. but they sound creepy. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't believe in ghosts, so we didn't think it was that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. But it was still... That would uh, be really, really creepy. Yes. It was still quite uh, unnerving. Yes, to say the least. To hear that in our headphones and yes. be as loud as it was when we were coming to the end of the broadcast last week. Anyway, thank you for praying for us yes. and, uh, and that we would maintain sanity. <laughs> Even though you 
the listener didn't even hear that until we just played it back for you. Okay, so uh, another thing that we ended with last week, the Mm -hmm. last question that we talked about was regard to conspiracy theories. Remember that? So Timothy uh, Timothy sent in an email and he asked our thoughts about Christians believing conspiracy theories. He narrowed down a couple of them, things like flat earth theory, which I've done a what video on that. Right. I've even Mm -hmm. done a what video on conspiracy theories. Did I play that? I don't remember if I played that video. I don't remember. Here, I'll go ahead and play it now. Okay. Is the Earth truly round? Or maybe it's a big conspiracy by NASA and every other space agency in dozens of countries hiding for some reason that the Earth is flat. Did man really walk on the moon? Or maybe that's also a NASA conspiracy and the moon landing was staged. Was 9-11 a terrorist attack? Or maybe it was a government conspiracy and the collapse of the World Trade Center was the result of controlled demolitions. Maybe Area 51 is hiding aliens. Maybe Sandy Hook didn't happen. Maybe fluoride is a communist plot. Maybe JFK was killed by the CIA, LBJ, the KGB, maybe Harp, chemtrails, the Illuminati. What should we believe is true and what is conspiracy? Well, in Isaiah chapter 8, God was about to send the Assyrians to conquer Israel for their rebellious ways. Everyone would be sent into confusion. Who's in league with whom? What side should we join? Should we fight or flee? To those who are faithful, God said, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and your dread. Peter would later reference these words when he said, Suffer for righteousness' sake, and you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do not obsess over man-made conspiracies. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge when we understand the text. There you go. I think that summarized that all right. Yeah, pretty good job. Now, it's funny, I did that video right before I went and preached at a church in, um, well, it was here in Kansas. Okay. And when I got there, they said, hey, we saw the video that you just published this past week uh, on conspiracy theories. Uh-huh. <laughs> they said, we just had to ask a family to leave oh. because they were really into conspiracy theories and trying to get people in on their conspiracies. Mm. And also, like, coming down on the elders of the church and saying, if you aren't warning people about this, then you're not actually devoted to the truth and stuff like that. So they had to, they just politely asked the family to go. They didn't Mm. bring up church discipline or anything like that because they may not have even been members. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, so we were coming in right on the end of that. (laughs) Well, there you go. They said it's really interesting, providential, that you would do that video right when when all of that had been going on. Anyway, uh, you know, related to the flat earth thing, that's one of those conspiracies where what would even be the benefit of that? I don't know. (laughs) Why would anyone even go to the trouble of convincing you that the earth is... I mean, what difference does it really make? ...round if it's really flat? I know. it's. It doesn't change a thing. <laughs> I'm not a flat earther, just in case I have to uh, clarify that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's just one of those. It's like, why? Why would that be? Why would all of these space agencies all over the world, what could they possibly have to benefit from convincing us that the world is round when it's actually so flat? don't fall off? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't understand what the point of that one's supposed to be. But now the one that's going on. Uh, you know, is really kind of taking hold on social media mm-hmm. is that Bill Gates has 
it's a conspiracy from Bill Gates to create COVID-19 and he's got this vaccine that he's coming out with now and it's going to be the mark of the beast. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, seriously. There's there's people that are latching really? on this. I remember when I was in grade school, there were theories out there about is Bill Gates the Antichrist? Wow. When I was in that grade school, guy. I read. Yeah, I know it. Because they would calculate his name. If we if we put his oh name in this goodness. code, it comes out 666, you know. Can you imagine? <laughs> How many years ago was that? Oh, he's not losing any sleep over it whatsoever. He still. <laughs> he is laying comfy on his $10,000 pillow. He has uh, no concerns just, over our, our little know. conspiracy nonsense. <laughs> I don't know. That's a long time to be considered you know (laughs) well he kind of fell out of the news after that you know he was time magazine's man of the year right uh and and fell out of the news he's always been among the richest in the world ever since then but he's never had like the platform that he did back in the 90s when microsoft had Mm. uh, had the explosion that they had ever since they've kind of been on top and nobody's really thrown those conspiracy theories around with bill gates he's just a really really rich guy who sits in his mansion up in washington somewhere right but now with covid19 and him saying that he's put together putting together this vaccine that he's going to release now it's got the conspiracy theories rolling again oh dear on this is this is it this is the new world order that this virus has been manufactured to bring in and Bill Gates is going to force everybody to take his vaccine and it's going to be the mark of the beast. Oh, we'll, my goodness. We'll probably have to take it through our forehead or our hand. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> anyway, that's the thing that's going on right now. Here, here's the thing, though, about uh, Christians and conspiracy theories. You have enough going on with the Satan tempting you in the lusts and the passions of your flesh mm. to be concerned about theories this grandiose yeah (laughs) and thinking that this is the end of the world that we need to be warning people about you need to heed the words of james chapter four where it says that god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble Hmm. submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to god and he will draw near to you Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Jesus saying, if anyone would be my disciple, he must take up his cross daily and follow after me. You've got enough to be concerned with there. Yeah. You don't need to be obsessing over these crazy conspiracy theories. Sitting on your it's computer. It's extra to worry about. Uh, that's all. And that's what it's going to develop in you. It's just going to be yeah. this worry and concern and anxiety. And Jesus or said. anger. I mean, nothing good is going to Unwarranted anger. Right. right. Yeah. Nothing good is going to come out of that. Yeah. I just don't. I don't meet anybody who, you know, believes in, in some. I won't say completely off the wall, but, you know, I've heard some interesting <laughs> Conversa- I've had some interesting conversations um, a couple times, and, and they've always been so paranoid. There's, yeah. like, no peace about them. Right. They don't have any peace of God, you know? Like, just, it's, you know, who who is in control? Yeah. Is it, you know, 
I don't know. Well, it's that it's that temperance thing that we had talked about having a soundness yeah. of mind. Yeah. Not being given over to wild ideas. In fact, that's right. one of the qualifications for a pastor. Right. He must be sound in his judgment and sound in his thinking. Mm-hmm. Not not being shifted to and fro by all the crazy stuff that gets thrown around in the world. In the news. Yeah, you're just talking about all the worldly conspiracy theories and stuff like that that comes about, let alone the protector of the sheep that a pastor is supposed to be Mm -hmm. in watching out for those false teachers and the wolves who want to come in and devour the sheep. That shepherd has got to be focused on the false teaching that's that's being thrown around, that's trying to get a foot in the door Mm -hmm. to to uh, lead astray some of your members. Yeah. I think a pastor has enough to be concerned uh, concerned about there. At least I know I do. Yes. <laughs> to not be following around and tracking with all these conspiracy theories. I've not read one article on any of this stuff related to Bill Gates. I just know that's kind of the murmurings and the and the whisperings that's so going on. Sad. <laughs> Feel bad for the guy. For Bill Gates. Yeah. I hope that he repents of his sin and he comes to Christ. I do too. Uh, that's that's my only concern about Bill Gates. Uh, this is a man who is not a Christian. He is not a believer at all. Mm. And how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Very, yeah. As Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. So we do pray for this man that he would repent. He's a philanthropist. He's done a lot of great things with his money. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that he's investing in hopefully finding a vaccine for COVID-19. That would be awesome. That'd be great if he finds one. Yeah. Can't say I'm going to take it, but <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but it, I'm just not the kind of person that's like, we come up with a vaccine. I really need to get this in my body. <laughs> it's, it's just not the first thing I'm jumping on. <laughs> I've never had a flu shot. Never taken a flu shot. Yeah. And I think, I, I think I've had the flu maybe twice as long as we've been married. Yeah. Probably about that. Yeah. It's such a, uh, it's hit or miss anyway. I mean, from one year to the next, they're kind of taking a guess as to what the strain is going to be. Sometimes they get it right. Oh, it was uh, 2017, 2018, I think it was. Most deaths from the flu since like the 1950s, in the last 50 years. Mm. More people died of the flu in the flu season that went from, it might have been 2016, 16 to 17. It was either 16 to 17 or 17 to 18. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, this is in an age where we've got the flu shot. You can go down to Kroger and get a flu shot at yeah. the pharmacy. And yet, even with the flu shot, there were still so many deaths from the flu two or three years ago. It's going to happen. There, There is any number of things that will kill you when you walk out your door. Yeah. We don't need to be obsessing over and, and have anxiety over COVID-19 when the numbers are showing us that it's something like five or six people out of 100,000. That have died of this disease. That's uh, that's really low. That's flu numbers. Yeah. Thankfully. Uh, well, and we're Lord. thankful to God yeah. for that. Right. We're thankful that it was not the numbers that we thought it was going right. to be. It but, was very scary there at first. Uh, uh, that, that's right. And I'm right. just very grateful that the numbers did not show what we were scared of. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding to that. But it, yeah, we started this by saying, hey, we're going to do 15 days of quarantining, of of isolation. Right. Whatever happened to that? Shelter in place for 15 days. And then no. 15 more. Yeah, now it's draconian. If you're going to go to work, we're going to arrest oh you. Oh, my goodness. So and throw you insane. in a jail cell that had previously been occupied by a murderer or rapist, but we've let them all out because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it, we've kind of turned up side on our heads <laughs> upside down it's it's gotten a little crazy yeah so we're back to church right. this sunday yeah yeah we're we're back on Praise the lord everything's fine yeah 
of course, we never did stop having services, but uh, everybody else kind of has to trickle in. There, there's a lot of areas that, that have to be slower with that. I understand right. being cautious with that, but we're ready to go. And and um, I don't think since we're next to a military post, they have different restrictions. They do, right. Than what our town does. They have to and follow so their CO they and do. what he yeah. says. Yeah. So even though we say we're back to church, we're not all back to church. Yeah. So, um, and some with still, pre-existing yeah. conditions need oh, yeah, to definitely. play it cautiously. You definitely, know. Yep. yes. So, but I am grateful that we are able to call it at least getting back to normal. <laughs> That's <laughs> whatever. It, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever this you is, call that. whatever we're going to call this thing post COVID nineteen apocalypse. Give it or ten something. years. We'll figure out a name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the historians will give us a name for this. Uh, this next question, this comes from Michael in Toledo, Ohio. Wait, next question? Well, yeah, because I kind of referenced back to the question we had from Timothy last oh, week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh-huh. By the way, this is Friday, and on the Friday yes. edition of the broadcast, <laughs> <laughs> we take questions from the listeners. When we understand the text at gmail.com is the email address. Sometimes I'll see a comment on Twitter or on Facebook, and I'll grab it, but don't depend on that. Yeah. Email's the best way. Email's probably the best way to get it to us. Yeah. When we understand the text at gmail.com. All run together. This is Michael in Toledo, Ohio. Every time I see Toledo, I think of holy Toledo. (laughs) Anyway, dear Pastor Gabe, thank you for your article on the coronavirus exposing false prophets. Oh, yeah. This was Mm. uh, that blog I did about two weeks ago. Uh, And it was in response to an article that Michael Brown wrote Mm -hmm. where he was trying to he's basically running damage control for the charismatic movement. Why is it that none of the prophets saw this pandemic coming? And he said, well, it's because some of the prophets. uh, Well, (laughs) his thing was our primary calling is supposed to be preaching the gospel, not being seers and and projectors and mm-hmm. and stuff like that but the funny thing about that is his answer revealed that the charismatic and pentecostal movement is full of false prophets right he didn't want to acknowledge that but that's yeah. that's basically what his answer meant so anyway uh michael goes on i have shared it uh, shared the article with several uh, several members of my family i'll get my words here eventually who desperately need to be one out of the Pentecostal movement. Hmm. I like how you said in the article that souls are at stake, including those who are being fooled by these false teachers. I don't doubt the salvation of my relatives. Many of them are very devout. In fact, some of them seem like they love Jesus more than I do. But then I also have members that make me wonder if they really believe in Jesus or do they just love the benefits they think he gives them. Mm. Or like the benefits you would yeah. get from having faith. Uh, or what the charismatic movement tells you. Right. You, <laughs> right. you should be receiving for having yes. faith. Because if you sow a seed. That's right. Right. You give us this money. Yeah. You're going to receive this. Yeah. Believe hard enough and God will give you this. Have that much faith. There was a, an article I remember reading from a guy who had gotten caught up in the prosperity movement. And he even talked about when he was in seminary, he would drive down through neighborhoods where he really wanted to live and he would name it and claim it mm-hmm. like drive through the neighborhood yeah. that house i want that house i want that car right and he talked about how how poisonous all of that was yeah and this was when he was in seminary training to become a pastor oh that's interesting and that's the kind of stuff that was infecting his mind at that time but oh, man. yeah praise the lord winning him out of yeah out of that mindset that, that is that's idol worship it is and you know i mean there is a time that I went through kind of the same thing, not not really 
But I went through the the idol, you know, like they they encouraged you to go out and and figure out what exactly you wanted mm-hmm. and then to work towards that yeah. goal. And I mean, sure, goals are great, but not not the way I was going about it. That was all wrong. Yeah, and they'll tell you name it in your prayer. Mm. Because if you're not actually saying it, right. then God's not going to give it to you. It's like it's like and really I didn't, I didn't really go that <laughs> route with it, thankfully. But at the same time, it was it was still it was still idol worship because I wasn't saved yet. That yeah. was you wanted the benefits, but you did not want the benefitor. No, no, no. <laughs> it was it was from a business model, like so, not from a religious. But it had the same same. Oh, you're just thinking like a mind over matter sort of a thing. Is that mm-hmm. it's still name it and claim it, but you weren't really expecting God to give it to you. Yeah, because I was going to work for it. Yeah, uh, right. And earn it. So it's with a positive mindset. Right. If yeah. I, if I just it was more of the positive have, mindset. Have the yeah. right attitude, then I'm right. going to get all the things so I want. So it was all of this, but without the 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 faith and the, and you know, like having a faith, you could do it. You know, yeah. it wasn't about God. It was about what I can do. Yeah. It was about me. I, I <laughs> met a guy one time who actually acted in several oh. movies. The last film that he did had Bruce Willis in it. Oh, okay. Wow. And he, so he lived in Hollywood for a little while and, and never had like a big starring role or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just kind of in a few films. And he said he, he he was awakened to the reality of what he was pursuing mm-hmm. when he was sitting at a table with a bunch of guys one time and a guy leaned over to him and said, anybody can make a million bucks. You just have to love money more than anything else. Oh. And then he turned back around to the conversation and it was almost like he never even said it. Yeah. And he said, he said it was like the Lord put a spirit in that man to wake me up to what mm. it was that I was doing. Praise the Lord. Yeah, right. Because he was saying I, I was loving money more than anything else. Yeah. And I didn't think about that at all. Yeah. Until, you know, I mean, well after I was saved and I'm looking back and I'm like, man, you know, I really was in love with the idea of, of money. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can have all of these things and be well off and I'll be happy then. You know, like those kind of aspirations. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> well, I was, since I still Back have my Bible, uh, I still have my Bible open to uh, James here. Oh, okay. Yeah. At the end of chapter four, which I was just reading from, mm-hmm. it says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yeah. Yep. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Mm-hmm. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Hmm. All right, so going back to the email here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Michael goes on. It's so hard to tell when they follow false teachers who are not preaching the gospel. And I'm sorry, I might have to back up a little bit here. Uh, so he's talking about members of his family that uh, they they look like they believe, but he's not sure if if they really believe in the giver or they just want the gifts that he gives. Right. So he goes on to say, it's so hard to tell when they follow false teachers who are not preaching the gospel. And yet my family can articulate the gospel better than the false teachers they are following. Does Hmm. that make sense? Yes. I used to listen to your podcast a long time ago, but my regular listening dropped off. I seem to remember there being an episode where you talked about prophecy being 
not just a revelation of the future, but even a revelation of the past. Would you be able to direct me to that episode? Thank you again for your ministry. I want to be a regular listener again. Michael in Toledo. Yay. Well, thank you for that email, Michael. And I hope that you have been uh, tuning in more regularly because, of course, this is we don't just do the Friday podcast. We've got New Testament study, which I'm going through Romans right now on Monday, Tuesday Tuesday, and Wednesday. Wednesday. And then the Psalms on well, Old Testament on Thursday, which has been the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And we're in the middle of Psalm 119. So, yeah, I, I please invite you to come and join me for the Bible teaching that we do every other day of the week. And then Saturday is Bible reading. Thanks to Literal Word. Yep. And Sunday is the Sunday sermon. That's right. So, so yeah, we, we've... Every day of the week, there's something. We've finally managed to work this into every single day of the week. There yeah. is there's something on this broadcast. Okay, so the episode that you're asking about, Michael, this I had to do a little bit of digging, but I think it's episode 484. And it was when I was teaching in 1 Kings... Chapters 21 and 22, and I have it marked in my Bible. We're going to go ahead and come to this here today. So in 1 Kings chapter 22, this is where Ahab was consulting with his prophets to find out if he were to go to war, would he win this battle? Okay. Let me hear from the prophets of God. Mm -hmm. Whatever they tell me, I'm going to believe that. If if the battle is going to be successful, then we're going to go into battle. And of course, he's partnering here with Jehoshaphat. So here we are, uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 1. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Ahab is the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us and we keep quiet? And do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Of course, so it's Jehoshaphat that was asking for this, not Ahab. Okay. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men. And said to them, shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they said, go up for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we can inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Micaiah the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) That's that's really the uh, charismatic Pentecostal movement now, Mm because they tell you not to prophesy anything negative. Right. You're only supposed to be prophesying good things. Positive. Positive (laughs) thoughts. (laughs) Positive and encouraging. Yeah, so positive vibes or whatever. That's right. They'll, they'll just straight up tell you, don't don't prophesy anything negative. They're like Ahab. I don't want to hear anything negative. So I'm <laughs> not going to call Micaiah. Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. <laughs> now, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Cheneana, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. 
And all the prophets prophesied so and said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Hmm. Again, just positive and encouraging thoughts. They're just making up stuff and saying the Lord has given me this vision. Uh, clearly, Jehoshaphat thought there was something off with this because mm-hmm. every prophet saying the same thing. And he's like, is there someone else we can talk to? Yeah. <laughs> Something's a little fishy. Yeah. There's got to be somebody else that we can uh, ask this of. So verse 13, and the messengers who went to summon Micaiah said to him, behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But so Micaiah, telling him what to say. That's right. You, yeah. you say what all these guys have said. Mm-hmm. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So he's doing just like what he was told to say. All right. But he's doing it in a mocking way. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's mocking it. the other guys who were, who were saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Ahab said to Micaiah, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to be nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And Micaiah said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? (laughs) And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne And all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Hmm. Even telling him outright what's going on. Exactly. Has told him you're going to go to battle and you will die. Mm -hmm. That is what the Lord is prophesying for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenaanah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hear all you peoples. If Ahab comes back, then it was not the word of the Lord that Micaiah was saying. Mm. (laughs) But if Ahab dies, then it was indeed the word of the Lord. And of course we know. Now, it wasn't that Micaiah was qualifying as his prophecy that way. He knew exactly where his prophecy came from. Yes. He didn't have any doubt in what it was that he was saying, but that Ahab and the rest of the people, and even those false prophets that were prophesying, they would come to know 
whether or not Micaiah's prophecy was true mm-hmm. when they see it come true. Yeah. Now, the thing about what Micaiah saw, that when I was teaching on this back in episode 484, one of the things that I mentioned, and, and this is what Michael was inquiring about, I said that we, we have this idea of prophecy as it being a revelation of the future. Mm-hmm. That every time we think of that word, prophecy, it's God is revealing future events that have yet to happen. Right. And we certainly see that here. But we need to recognize that prophecy is not like what pagans think of prophecy. Pagans think of prophecy as being able to look down the tunnel of time and see the future. Right. And that it, it, when you when you see the prophecy, the way that it's revealed here in First Kings 22, that's not what's happening. Micaiah is actually not looking into the future to see what's going to happen. He is having revealed to him something that's already been decided. Mm-hmm. So prophecy. True. Yeah. Prophecy is a revelation of things already determined pertaining to people, places, or events as seen from a heavenly vantage point. Mm -hmm. Think about what John, the apostle, saw and then wrote down in the book of Revelation. What he saw was not just the future. He also saw the past because some of the things that he saw were things that we had read about previously in the Bible. Mm -hmm. But he's looking at it from a different vantage point. He's, right. he's looking at it from a heavenly vantage point, like a spiritual vantage point, mm-hmm. then seeing it from the, the eyes that we see it and on a linear timeline right. here on planet Earth. That's that's what John had the privilege to be able to see. And Micaiah here, likewise, is seeing a holy council being gathered in heaven. Well, I say a holy council, a spiritual council would be more accurate because we definitely have evil spirits yeah. that are within this council that's that's been gathered here. Right. So it's a it's a heavenly who's, council. Who's going to go antagonize? Him? Exactly. Yeah. Who's going to go be a lying spirit mm-hmm. in the in the tongues of these false prophets? Mm-hmm. This is just like Satan being able to come before God at the beginning of Job, right? And saying, "Can I let me go afflict Job? He's going to curse you to your face. I'll show you." Mm-hmm. And God let Satan do it because God will test whom He wants to test. Right. And He knew that Job was not going to curse him. Right. And uh, anyway, so he told Satan, you may afflict Job, but you can't touch him. And then Satan makes, you know, the 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 or asks the question again, and said, well, now let me touch him and then he'll curse you to your face. God let him do that, too. And he still didn't do it. Such is the same with this kind of counsel that was gathered with the Lord in heaven. Mm-hmm. And Micaiah was privileged to see it. Right. And then report to Ahab. Here's what's been decided concerning you. Mm hmm. This event has not taken place yet, at least as far as we're concerned, but it's already been decided exactly what it is that's going to happen. And I'm revealing to you to everybody. Yep. From that from that that heavenly vantage point that we don't get. Yep. But a prophet of God was privileged to be able to see it and report on what it was that the Lord had shown to him. That's the way that we need to understand prophecy, not necessarily as a as a looking into the future. It's not soothsaying. Mm-hmm. It's not fortune telling. It is God revealing to us what he's determined. Yeah. And doing so through his prophets. He's he's not doing that with you know, when you listen to the charismatic prophets, they sound like pagan soothsayers. And fortune tellers. Yeah. Like this. And we're not supposed to do as the pagans do. Like, well, yes, It exactly. says in the Bible, yeah. we're not supposed to do like, you know, believe things that they believe and do things that they do. And so. 
Yeah, these are among the abominable practices that the Lord detests, according to Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, Mm -hmm. a pagan land, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. Right. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So don't listen to these people. Right. Know clearly the statement we have at the beginning of Hebrews, Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Mm -hmm. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Right. Whom the Lord has made the heir of all things. It is through Jesus Christ that we know the truth of what God has done through redemptive history, and even what his plan is for the future when we see revelations concerning the return of Christ and the judgment of the living and the dead. Those are the things that we need to be reading about, and and we have that reverent fear of the Lord concerning, Mm -hmm. because it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of knowledge, as we talked about. Right. We, We... We in our hearts, we concern ourselves with these things, not trying to know the future. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. That's James here in James four. That's Jesus in Matthew six. Who of you by worrying over the place? Exactly. Jesus says that. Yeah. Who of you by worrying has added a single hour to his day? Right. And I catch myself all the time. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. You've got enough trouble you've got to deal with today. Mm-hmm. You've got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ right. today. Right. You've got a spouse to love, kids to love. Mm-hmm. You've got to die to yourself today for somebody else's benefit. You've got a gospel to preach. Mm-hmm. You may have a friend that you need to rebuke and bring back to the path of righteousness. Yeah. There's so much going on. Why, why are we concerning ourselves with all of these frivolous little things, whether that be future events, the, the future is going to happen exactly the way that God has determined it. That's right. That's what we need to know. Yeah. <laughs> and we trust in the Lord, our God. Mm-hmm. He is going to accomplish everything that he has said he's going to accomplish. And we have peace in that. Absolutely. There's, a, there's a peace a com- that surpasses all understanding. Yeah. There's a comfort in that, knowing that it's, it's going to be how God has determined. Right. So, yeah. It, what what would knowing a future event actually do for you as as far as peace is concerned? Oh, man. OK, so like going back to Moses, if if he knew what all he was going to go through and what he was going to have to do, mm-hmm. if he knew that ahead of time, I think he would have ran away. Oh, sure. That's why the Lord said to him. From the burning bush in Exodus 3, said, you'll know that I was with you when you come back here and worship me on this mountain. Right. He's not laying out the plan for Moses right now. Right. He's telling him, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. and We're going to show all my wonders. Mm-hmm. The Lord told him that much, but not exactly everything until Moses would come back to that place mm-hmm. on the mountain where God was speaking to him through the burning bush. And then he would be able to look back over those events and see how the Lord had been with him the Lord was working in all of this stuff ultimately for his glory and for the rescue of his people. Right. 
You have uh, in in First Corinthians 13, I think it's verse 12, where it begins. Now we see as though through a glass darkly, mm-hmm. but soon we shall we shall see face to face. And then we will know mm. just as we are fully known. Right. The Lord fully knows us. He even knows how sanctified we're going to turn out being mm-hmm. when Christ returns and gathers his elect for the wedding feast of the Lamb in glory. Amen. He knows us fully from beginning to end. Yes. He, he placed his affections on us before the foundation of the world, having uh, for the, the foreknowledge that he had is him having placed his affections on us mm-hmm. before we were even born. Yeah. Those who were going to be his elect, whom he was going to save through the hearing of the gospel, and we would turn from our sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. We have salvation in in faith in Jesus Christ. The only way we're ever saved, by grace through faith in Christ alone. Nobody mm. has ever been saved any other way except by grace through faith. Right. In in our Lord God and what right. it is that he's doing. Yeah. If the peace that we have in Christ surpasses all understanding, according to the way that Paul puts that in Philippians 4, then how would understanding the future give you any more peace than you already have right now trusting in Christ? You have no more peace in knowing about the future than you have now in Christ Jesus. So stop trying to to look at the necromancers and diviners and soothsayers and mediums. They're never going to tell you anything that is going to give you peace. In fact, you're going to be doing something. (laughs) They're going to keep lying to you and giving you positive vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Just like all these false prophets that were were prophesying to Ahab. Exactly. The only true peace. Don't say anything negative. Yep. The the only true peace you're going to have, the only truth that you need to know is Christ. Mm -hmm. So put your faith and your trust in Christ and you have peace in these moments now in the craziness of the times and everything that's going Mm -hmm. on, which can get worse, by the way. Yes. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. We're just really, really spoiled in America. (laughs) It can get way worse. Put your faith and your trust in Christ. Trust in Jesus. There's all kinds of bad news stories that are going to hit you, too. And, uh, and I mean, the media just tries to control America's thought life. Mm. The more afraid they can make you, the more you're going to come back to the news to be outraged by the next thing that's going to happen. There's going to be another news story that'll be out tomorrow that that they're going to try to uh, uh, attract your outrage to it. Mm-hmm. Don't concern yourself with it. Don't be a moth to the flame. Yeah. You'll get burned. <laughs> Trust in the Lord Christ. He is our peace. He is our understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I have enough time for one more question. This comes from John. Dear Pastor Gabe, I was totally fascinated by the Wednesday podcast, specifically how you were talking about how our knowledge of the world in the universe has changed over the years. Hmm. So I was reading from Psalm 8, and the main text was Romans chapter 3, but I was reading from uh, Psalm 8 where David says, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Your your glory is above the heavens. Hmm. Now, David probably knew something about that because the Lord had revealed it to him. He's writing the word of God. Right. But our knowledge of the universe has grown immensely just even over the last you know two or three centuries right very if, true if not a little bit more yeah. the invention of the telescope you know it, we've come to a knowledge of the vastness of space mm. and that keeps changing because mm-hmm. uh, like i said i think I, I said this on wednesday there was 
Um, I didn't even look this article up to find out which article it was, but I noticed that there was an article circulating around where scientists were changing their minds now about the age of the universe and the distance across. Oh, so they they believe that they got it wrong. They actually believe it's younger hmm. than they thought the universe was. Really? So they don't think the universe is older. They believe the universe is younger. Uh, Jason Lyle, Dr. Jason Lyle was on with James White a couple of weeks ago on the dividing line. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talked about is, uh, you know, the, the, the whole uh, secular humanist theory that exists out there regarding the universe kind, kind of like in a constant flux. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's ordered and then it'll collapse down and be disordered and then it kind of expands out and it's order again. And okay. it's just it's over and over again throughout the eternity of time. This has been happening. Okay. Sometimes it's it's in chaos. Sometimes it's order. But he says, we know now that will never be the case because the universe is expanding. It's getting further and further apart. Hmm. And the further apart it gets from each other, it never goes back into order. It, it will just be disorder. It's never close enough again to be order. OK, um, that, that would be uh, anyway. He was saying that uh, even among the secular humanists, they're losing that idea now. They're, they're losing that theory of everything is, is kind of like, you know, the universe exists, then it doesn't, then it does, then it yeah. Okay. It, it, what we have now is what we have, and once it expands out, then it isn't going to be there anymore. Okay. That's just from the secular perspective. Okay. He's a young Earth, Earth creationist. Jason Lyle is. Oh, okay. So he's not saying, you know, the universe is billions of years old or whatever. Anyway. Interesting. So John goes on. He says, it reminded me of this short sermon I'm sending you now by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey, who's with Ligonier, mm-hmm. uh, a Ligonier teaching fellow. Within the first five minutes of this teaching session, he will say some things that reminded me exactly of what you were saying on your Wednesday podcast. As a science fiction fan, I'm out. Uh, I am fascinated by things like this. God bless you guys. I pray that we are all as fellow Christ followers standing firm during all of this COVID mess. Amen to that, John. Amen. Here is the clip from uh, Dr. Godfrey. I've actually heard him say this before because it's from his church history series. And uh, and I've I've watched most of that series, not every single episode. But I remember him talking about this. Here he is talking about a conflict that that began between the scientists and the Christians back in the 19th century. All right. Uh, But as the 19th century wore on. Uh, explorations in science seemed to be developing in ways that conflicted with traditional Christian understandings of the Bible. And that's where tension between natural science and Christians began to emerge. Although recent studies of the war between religion and science in the 19th century have revealed something very interesting that the war was initiated from the side of the scientists, not from the side of the theologians. Uh, By and large, in the 19th century, Christian theologians continued to believe that they could have friendship with science and that science would not develop in ways that fundamentally undermine Christianity. But increasingly, there were scientific leaders and thinkers who were themselves anti-Christian and began to use their scientific convictions in opposition to Christianity. So when your friends tell you there's a war between Christianity and science, depending on how antagonistic you want to be and obnoxious, uh, you can smile and say, yes, there is a war, and science started it. Um, 
Christians should still, to this day, believe in science and believe that ultimately science can never come to any conclusions at fundamental odds with what God has revealed. All truth is one. All truth is God's truth. Uh, we are not opposed as Christians to science. We are opposed to the claims of scientists that they have reached a final truth that finally disproves the truthfulness of the Bible. Because if you study science in the last 400 years, and you study theology in the last 400 years, who's changed most, do you think? Not the theologians. It's the scientists who keep changing. And each time they change, they assure us that they know absolutely what is true. There was a time when scientists knew absolutely that the atom was the smallest component of material reality. And then you found things inside the atom. Those were the smallest things. And now there are things inside those things. I don't know what they're called. I'm sure some of you do. Um, I have a theory. It's only a theory. It's a speculation. God has created this universe, and he's made it finite. But he's also made it finite in a way that finite creatures can never reach the edges. No matter how far out we look, we'll never reach the edges of the universe. No matter how far back we look, we'll never find the beginning of history. No matter how far in to the atom we look, we'll never find the smallest material. I think God's playing games with us. Not mean-spirited games, but a game that reminds us we are finite, and we're part of a finite creation, and there's no getting out. And it should lead us to humility. It should lead us to investigation. It should lead us to a fascination with the world that God has made. It's right to be fascinated with the stars and learn all that we can learn, but it's God's universe. Uh, it's finite. But we're not getting out. Ephesians 3.11 says that God has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Mm. We have parameters and limits that God has set around us. We can't go outside right. those limits. And it's to humble us that we may look to the Lord. Right. And so the point that I was making in the uh, in the lesson that John was highlighting there is that as we have explored space and we've discovered that it's way bigger than we thought it was, mm -hmm. that just makes God all the bigger to yeah. us and should make us recognize our insignificance. And yet that God is mindful of us, which is what Psalm 8 says. What is man that you are mindful of him? Right. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us so that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish in our sin and our pride, our attempts mm. to ascend to the place of God, thinking that we could be as good as God who sits enthroned over all of this universe so large that we can't ever see to the end of it. Mm. And we're changing our minds now as to where the edges of it are. Yeah. And how old it is. Yep. God is way bigger than any of that. And we are so small, yet... And vapors. Yeah, we're, we're a mist that appears for a moment mm -hmm. and then we're gone. And yet the Lord has shown us grace and mercy through his son. Turn from your sin, believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. and you will have forgiveness and everlasting life. And 
peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. For the days that are ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's conclude with prayer. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time. It is is always a blessing to be able to do this together and mm-hmm. talk about your word and uh, hear questions that come in from others. And I pray whatever questions that we have, we're not too prideful about those things that we ponder about. We don't claim to know answers. We don't know. But we seek your word. We're diligent to look into the word of God for all things, for you guide us and you have given us answers and you are drawing our attention to you through the spirit that you have given to us. And I pray that we would listen intently to your word, not trying to divine things or presuppose things that are outside of what God's word has already revealed to us. There's such wonderful treasure here. And we've barely combed the depths of God's word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Hmm. Why are we trying to find answers outside of this when the answer is given to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Paul wrote to the Colossians. So let us be content with this and praising of our Lord and Savior who has forgiven us of sins and leads us in paths of righteousness to eternal life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. this coaster if you don't spill yeah i don't like it being that close i don't care how careful i think i am (laughs) i would just rather not i would rather you not too but i but you're my wife i trust you (laughs) you're a graceful person you're not clumsy (laughs) most of the time (laughs) (laughs) there are there have been a handful and today today in fact this morning i was making tea sweet tea and um everything was going every which direction, no matter how hard I held on to it. It was just, it was everywhere. I don't, I don't remember you ever messing anything up again after that white chili fiasco that one time. So angry. I don't, but I mean, it's been, it's been 10 years. You've never done anything like that again. (laughs) And, and that was even the, the hot sauce. Yeah, that was was just, and you just didn't notice that there was mold in the hot sauce. I was so angry. So angry. Yeah, no, this time. <laughs> and it was totally, wasn't it still within the date even? It wasn't mm-hmm. expired. Yeah. It was just moldy lid that. Yeah. Anyway. So like I said, I trust you with, you know. Well, I appreciate your trust. <laughs> I will not jeopardize that. By... <laughs> uh, yeah. Because, I mean, even your cup is clear over there. Yes. 
Because I don't trust myself. (laughs) Well, you know, there's that. That's why my gum is way over there. Next to the bills. And when I go go for it, it's not going to come this way. It'll go that way because it's (coughs) the length of my arm away. And I have to get over Optimus Prime to get to it, too. this is true. He's standing guard and he's... Standing guard. He's not standing. He's in truck mode, but he's in truck mode. Zeej left him there to to guard your stuff. That's right. 